The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You know those things you are too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? Like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. With summer here, there's heightened pressure to focus on or even obsess about our outward appearance. Really, that pressure is everywhere all year long for most of us, whether we're discussing the latest weight loss fad or a new cleanse or justifying what we eat by saying it's a cheat day or saying I'll start my diet tomorrow. Diet culture is so embedded and normalized in our everyday thoughts and words that it can be hard to even notice when we're doing it. And moms or moms-to-be are so impacted by diet culture, we can't think of a time when people have commented more about our outward appearance and expect us to look like we didn't just have a baby after just having a baby. And when we have come to terms with our own changing bodies, it's just hard. Especially after this last year of being cooped up, maybe eating our feelings a little bit, unable to go to the gym. I just think we have a lot more negative self-talk now than ever. For a lot of us, it isn't until we have kids of our own that we realize the damage these comments can do. Over time, even the smallest, most harmless seeming comments can make kids self-conscious and complicate how they think about food, nutrition, and body image. So today we want to talk about diet culture, what it is, the impact it has on us, and how we can break that cycle we likely inherited from our own families. We're going to share our own personal experiences and what we can all do to make sure we're not inadvertently saying things to our children that might result in picky eating or a poor relationship with food or low self-esteem or just a self-conscious body image. Before we start, I just want to say, I know this is a sensitive topic and I struggle so much with changing my own thought patterns and what I say in front of my kids and also myself. And by no means are we recommending perfection. But what we do hope from this episode is that we can help you start to recognize how diet culture shows up in our lives and just start shifting our language in front of our kids so we can help them have better self-esteem, much better than we do, and hopefully move to where we can start feeling better about ourselves. This is a little longer of an episode, but we get vulnerable and there's tips at the end. So stick around to learn how to shift narratives and do this better for our kids. So let's jump right in. So first of all, what is diet culture? (laughs) We all see it. Our culture just values thinness so much. So the definition of diet culture is that it refers to a set of beliefs that values thinness, appearance, and shape above health and well-being. So it places the importance on restricting calories, normalizing that negative self-talk that we all have, and label certain foods as good versus bad. So I'm sure you've all all noticed, right? We we it's all around us. Yeah. I mean. I do that all the time. (laughs) And it takes a conscious effort for me to not do it around my kids. Like I want to say, we've talked about this before, but oh, but that's so healthy for you. And I'm like, oh, I have to stop that mentality too, while still knowing the value of it for my body. Totally. 
looking at foods as good versus bad, right? I mean, we hear it all the time. Like, ugh, I need to go on a diet. We're so good. What I think is so funny when we talk about this or just so ironic is that we always compliment outward appearances of others. Your dress is so cute. Oh my gosh, you just had a baby. You look so good, which really implies you lost so much weight so quickly. But when we talk about ourselves, it's, ugh, I look so fat. This bathing suit doesn't look right on me. So it's this outward, we praise appearance. And on the inside, we just have this negative Mm self-talk. Even I think when we're conscious of changing the self-talk, it still comes up. I mean, after having three kids, I've tried to be a lot more positive in my self-talk. And still every day I'm like, oh, but I'm not going to, I don't fit into these jeans yet. And there's this piece here and I don't like this. And and that's just with being conscious of it. So yeah. I can only imagine the days that I'm not conscious of it. And it's exhausting, right? So living yeah. in diet culture is really, really exhausting. We think about food. We think about our outward appearance all the time. You're in front of a mirror. You see someone else. Like you're, It's this constant ruminating about food and the way we look. It doesn't have to be that way. We can break that cycle, but so much of that is embedded, you know, in in all of us. And so I think making a conscious effort for our kids so that they don't grow up in the same environment we did that resulted in this. Right. Especially with social media. I mean, just looking at we're just bombarded with things. It's almost like we have back in the day it was magazines and TV and now it's just in our hand at all times mm-hmm. in our kids' hands one day. Yeah. I think that diet culture is is so much more damaging than we ever think. You know, there's a spectrum, right? There are some people that have are great intuitive eaters. And I think most women, if you are a great intuitive eater, you probably did some work later on in life to become that way. But mm. but the more typical is that almost every woman and many men, but like really we're all on a spectrum of some degree of disordered eating or just a complicated relationship with our body image and and food. And it's exhausting. It's all around us. And so I think knowing that we can do it differently, knowing kind of bringing awareness to this topic is is really the first step and what we really want to do today. And, mm-hmm. and then figure out how we can not pass that on to our kids. I'm just excited to switch up the narrative and and make sure that we don't pass that on to our kids. Yeah. Before we get into that, let's talk about KiwiCo for a second. KiwiCo is a longtime partner of the show, so you know how much we love their products. With summer here, I keep envisioning my childhood, that sacred time of summer where there was more time with my family and friends. I vividly remember summers in Idaho as a child playing outdoors for hours, doing what kids are supposed to do, and then eating dinner outside each night. They were some of the best memories and adventures of my life, and we're excited to have these moments with our own kids now. And KiwiCo is helping us make that happen. With a KiwiCo subscription, kids can take their imagination to a new level with pre-planned projects that are delivered right to your door each month. I need simple, foolproof, planned out activities, and that's what KiwiCo delivers. We've been receiving KiwiCo crates for some time now, and each crate is honestly better than the next and helps with creativity and brain development. We just did the window garden activity, which we were both obsessed with. You know how much I talk about how important it is to get our kids involved in how food grows. So this activity was really right up our alley. We created these cute little suction cup window plants and are growing green beans and squash, which Bryce wakes up every morning to check on their progress. His excitement coming down the stairs is palpable and just warms my heart. 
This summer, KiwiCo has become our camp in a box. It's completely stress-free, a simple way to keep your kids creative, busy, and screen time-free while fostering learning. They have Camp KiwiCo, which is a camp in a crate. Sign up and access Camp KiwiCo anytime, anywhere at your convenience for free. Choose from three camps based on your kid's age group and enjoy five perfectly planned days of summer. Spots are limited, so sign up ASAP. Show support of the show by giving love to our brand partners. We promise you won't ever regret this one. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or every kid at heart every month. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash living. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash living. Then what is disordered eating or just a complicated relationship with food? So it's all a spectrum. We can look at eating on a spectrum from enjoyment and intuitive eating on one end and eating disorders on the other end. So whether that's restrictive or binge eating or overeating, but where I think the majority of people fall, virtually all people, especially in America, is like right in the middle where we have this much more complicated relationship with food and this overall negative relationship with food. So we have cheat days. We feel guilty when we eat something quote unquote bad. We yo-yo diet like every summer or right before the holidays, whatever it may be, there's some new diet fad of the time. So we're going on and off diets. We feel shame when we eat. There's a lot of shame around something where it's like, okay, my diet starts tomorrow. I mean, how many times have you heard that my diet starts tomorrow and you're not really enjoying then the food that you have in front of you today? Yes. I've heard that, I think I'm saying this right, but the guilt that you are thinking, it puts more stress on your body than the damage that that unhealthy food is doing. Absolutely. Does that make sense? It totally does. And it's totally true. So stress, just stress that we feel in our body. And for most women, we feel so much of that stress around this negative self-talk and around body image and around food. And so if you think about it, just like our kids, we're eating three times a day at least. And after breakfast, you're thinking about the next meal. So if you're caught in this cycle of, disordered eating or a complicated relationship with food, it's causing this chronic stress that does hurt your health in the end. Your mental health for sure, but also your physical health. Right. And I'm a 33-year-old woman. I mean, think about how that affects kids. Yeah. And something that is so important to say here is that so much of the reason we came out the way we did is because how we were raised and just the environment we were raised in. So we can always think about like the media, Instagram, the external things. But then we also grew up in a world where external appearance is complimented all the time. So, you know, I'm sure you can think back to your childhood, to your parents, like you look so cute in that outfit. You're so pretty. You're so beautiful. Those are all well-intended. But the problem is when they're not balanced with the opposite end of the spectrum of complimenting who you are as a human, Right. then that is internalized. And so that starts, our, our relationship with food really starts when we're babies and carries on into childhood. And so a lot of this is just breaking these generational patterns that resulted in the way we are. Now there's ways that we can break that, but there's definitely things we can do to help our kids. Right. So instead of saying those things, maybe transition to you're so brave, you are so loved, you are so kind, you're, you know, absolutely all of those things. I love we, spending time with you. I mm-hmm. I really enjoy playing with you, you know, 
you worked so hard to finish X, Y, or Z. And, and if you think about it, actually, if someone were to compliment you, right? Your dress is so cute. That feels good. Like, oh, I took some time to put my outfit together and that feels good. But if someone mm-hmm. said, you know what, Haley, you, I just, I've been thinking about it and you are just one of the kindest people I know. That compliment, right? Feels right. so much better than the external wow, compliment. so true. That's so true. So that's something we can do with our kids. I want to kind of dig into some of the personal stuff first. So uh, if you feel comfortable, Haley, I know you've touched on this before, but in high school, I know you struggled with body image and eating. And if you want to talk a little bit about that, I think uh, so many people can relate to that. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about it. I'm just so everyone knows I'm in a very happy, healthy mental state now, and it's but it has taken many years to get here and conscious thought and and conscious self-talk as we were talking about. But I was definitely chubbier as a kid. I loved to eat. Um, and I just, I mean, I went for it, but I also was very active. And so in my head, I was like, gosh, okay, I'm being really active. I can eat whatever I want. And, and so I was chubbier. And then as I got 12, 13, 14, I started to realize it. I started to realize, oh, okay, I'm not fitting in these clothes that I like. I'm, I don't look like my friends with the skinny legs. And I was probably in eighth grade, eighth and ninth grade when I started throwing up and I became bulimic. And I don't know where that stemmed from, probably a multitude of things, but I was a young teenager and insecure and and highly insecure with my body. I would say that lasted a few years throughout probably end of middle school, early high school. and But the body image stuck with me for a long time. I think that that was... And I only stopped because I got caught. I didn't realize the health implications. And eventually, once I got caught, if you will, that's when I was told all the things that it would do to my body if I kept doing that. And so the body image thing really stuck with me. And I would say it wasn't until I was probably 25. And believe me, I still have it. (laughs) But it wasn't until I was really 25 where I started feeling like, oh, no, I I do look good. I I am healthy. I am strong. Like having the positive self-talk. And actually, that was when I met Tyler. But even now, I still have those moments where I'm like, oh, I just don't look good or, oh my gosh, I just can't believe this. And something that's really helped me in a very weird way is when I got pregnant with Olivia, I mean, now I'm, I'm bigger than I was when I was pregnant with Olivia, <laughs> way more than, than this point in my pregnancy. But I remember I was probably like 12 weeks in and I was like, oh, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I just look so big. And I was like, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take pictures of this. And I remember looking back when I was 25 weeks, and I was like, whoa, I actually looked really good there. Like now I'm really big. And then I would take pictures at like 36 weeks or whatever and looked back on 25 and I was like, what was I thinking? I looked amazing. And so I started analyzing that and I'm like, I just need to start enjoying where I'm at at that time. And now looking back at me pregnant with Olivia at 12 weeks, I'm like, I was skinnier then than I am now. Like, this is ridiculous. But trying to shift that narrative in my head has taken so long. And it still takes practice to this day of 
no, I do look good. And it's just a lifetime process to work on, I think, as a female, because we're we're bombarded. And then I think it's natural to compare ourselves to others and and that happens. And But I do feel like I'm in a healthy place and I'm just like, I love my body. I love myself and, and who I am. And But it's taken a long time to get here because of all the damage that was done prior. I also had a boyfriend. It was a toxic relationship throughout the end of high school and early college, but he would tell me I was fat. And, you know, I went on, I went on study abroad to Italy and ate fabulous pasta. And (laughs) I lived with a host family that cooked amazing Italian food. So of course I did gain weight, but I was definitely made aware of it by this boyfriend. I have so many, I have so many things to say. I have so many things. That was like a word vomit. I haven't talked about this in so long. While we're talking about diet culture, I think we're all interested in knowing what vitamins should we actually be taking? I get asked all the time, which vitamins should I take and which brands do you trust? Because during fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood, it can just be so hard to navigate this information. You guys have heard us talk about Ritual before and you know we love their products. I first started taking Ritual, gosh, almost three years ago now when I was pregnant with Bryce and I recently started their prenatal vitamin again. They have a mint flavor, which makes them delicious. And their delayed release no-nausea capsule is my favorite part. It makes them easy to digest and there's absolutely no stomach ache or aftertaste at all. And I'm really sensitive to that. When recommending any vitamin, I always look at the nutrients and where they're sourced from to make sure they hit all of my high standards and Ritual checks off all the boxes. It's really interesting, but most of us fall short on getting all the nutrients we need from food alone and fertility, pregnancy, motherhood. It's just not a time we want to be messing around. During pregnancy, there are certain nutrients that we need in such high amounts that you need a good vitamin to cover you and your baby's needs. I like to think about Ritual as the best insurance policy. It just ensures you're getting the key nutrients in the forms your body can actually absorb without any additives or fillers. You can fill in those gaps of your diet. They're shipped to you, but if you don't love Ritual within the first month, they'll refund your order, which to me shows that they just care so much about their customers and believe in their product. Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during the first three months. Visit ritual.com slash living to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash L-I-V-I-N-G to start your ritual today. First of all, I can't tell you what it means that you shared that. I think so many people feel so much shame and actually saying it out loud, like saying it out loud to anyone, but saying it out loud on a microphone, on a podcast, just that it it takes a lot. And I think there's so much shame in the way that we eat. So many of us binge or restrict or have all this negative self-talk so in like a silo, alone, isolated, and we don't talk about it enough. So your experience, unfortunately, is is really so prevalent. It's really unbelievable. And I just don't think enough people feel comfortable talking about it. The other thing is, is that all I could sit there thinking when you said that is how young you were when it started. And what's so sad is that we're young, like we don't have our brains fully developed then. Like we make these choices based on all these external things that were influenced, but we're still a kid then. We're not, you know, we're really not old enough. Like when you're in high school, you don't, you're making decisions that can have life impact, right? Like lifelong impact. But it's just, it's so sad when I take a step back and look at that and just our culture 
I mean, this plagues so many people and it's it's exhausting. And I'm really proud of how far you've come because it's it's not easy at all to break that. And it's true. It sticks with us for no matter what, we always have to talk back to ourselves, right? We have that negative self-talk that creeps up all the time. Yes. Well, thank you for saying that. And I'm happy to share my story because I, I don't want other girls to go through that. And I don't want my daughter or, or sons to go through that. But I just think with girls and women, the pressure is just so intense. And that's why I was so thankful to meet you when we did, because I've always thought when I have kids, I, I don't want them to have that same experience. I want to set them up for success and just have a healthy relationship with food. And so you've helped tremendously with that. And it's just been been fun. And it's a good test for me. It's like self-accountability because I have to watch what I'm saying and watch everything because they're watching everything we do. Totally. Totally. And what's so interesting is that I think the first time that we're really, as women, the first time we kind of notice this degree of diet culture or we notice that we want to do it differently is when we get pregnant. Because I think that's the first time that we realize like, whoa, either my behaviors of what I'm doing now or my behaviors once I have a kid can translate to this kid in the future. It's something bigger than our own selves. Like we can talk ourselves, we can do such mean things to ourselves, but we don't do those same things to our children. And so I think pregnancy, postpartum, early, you know, parenthood and parenthood in general just brings this new opportunity for us to change our own relationship with food and do it differently for our kids. Absolutely. Do you ever remember a moment that as a parent, you said something that you realized like, oh no, I'm passing something down to Olivia or any of my kids and I should not have said that or I need to do it differently? You know, I I think... Thankfully, I went into this because of my past experience trying to be conscious. I know that no parent is ever going to be perfect and we're all going to mess up, but I at least was going into it aware of, okay, I want to make sure I'm I'm not saying things that are going to rub off on them. But that being said, I'm sure I do it all the time and don't even know it. But I do remember one time Tyler and I were talking and Olivia was there and the words started to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Like, I feel so disgusting. And um, and I did. I was just like, oh, it was postpartum. I was just like, it was this past, right after I had Atlas. I was just like, I just feel so disgusting. Disgusting didn't quite come out of my mouth <laughs> because Tyler and I both looked at each other and we're like, oh, okay, we're stopping right there. Back in. And we changed. I don't remember what, the, what we changed the word to, but we were like, oh. <laughs> just try to change it. But I think that's been good too, to talk to Tyler about it, knowing that, okay, we're both on the same page, same with um, our nannies on the same page. And I think that's helpful just so that they're not hearing, oh, I feel so fat or disgusting, or I feel gross and all the things that we all have said. Mm -hmm. And, and we don't, they don't need to hear that. Yeah. No, because I think they look at us and they're like, Mom, you're beautiful. I mean, just like we should look at ourselves. If you want to know what the mirror should be looking back at you, it's what your kid says about you, right? Like the way they look at you, the way they talk about you. And if we can get back to ourselves of of starting to do small things so that we feel that way, it has tremendous value. Because the toll that this degree of shame and just 
consumption. It's just overconsumption of our brain with negative self-talk. It has such an implication on our mental health and our mental well-being. It does. Have you ever almost slipped or, or said anything like that? Yes, there have been. I think so much of my experience is so intuitive eating, which we'll talk we'll talk about this because I really want to give people strategies if they are struggling with this, what they can do to get out of it. So much of my training was in intuitive eating. And so my passion in life is to help adults and kids become intuitive eaters because I just know when I was younger, I would fixate on food that same way. I would be obsessed with it. And so I've really done so much work so I don't do that anymore. And I fully am an intuitive eater, but I cringe because diet culture is all around us. So I'm FaceTiming someone and they're watching Bryce eat. And it's like, ooh, yummy. Like that food's going to make you really strong. Look at how much you're eating. Do you want two more bites of that? All well-intended and all normal things that we say all the time. But I just can see the future of what that leads to. So it really, those are the moments where I'm just like, this is so sad because we are all trying to do the right thing. And we are all trying to relate. But these little comments have have bigger damage. So good to be reminded of that. Yeah. But actually, I, I take that back. I have said things. When I was going through cancer treatment, I mean, I lost all my hair. I lost all my eyebrows, my eye, like everything. And when I looked yeah. in the mirror, I didn't recognize myself. And as my hair has been growing back and I have a mullet and I just, it's really weird. The way I feel inside and when I go by a mirror is not the same way I look. And so there have been times when I've commented, not like I dislike myself, but things just like, I don't look like myself or why, you know, I have a mullet now. What am I going to do about this? Yeah. Or I don't feel comfortable in this picture. I noticed for a long time, I wasn't getting in pictures with Bryce. And it was so sad because oh, I'm like, these are yeah. these are the memories. Like I, it just because I'm not comfortable in my skin right now doesn't mean I should not be present with my kid and be in those photos. And so I would right. say that's that's the part that I've had to check myself so much with. Wow. Yeah. I mean, understandably, that had to be so hard. Just going through that whole transformation and and even Bryce, did Bryce notice? Did he ever say anything about how like that you look yeah. different? So did, I, yeah. So I was always really careful. I always wore a hat when when I was bald, I wore a hat at home and he was kind of the perfect age. But no, he really never realized because we, kids don't realize that it's abnormal unless we talk about how abnormal it is. To, to him, I was always his mom and that's all I was. And so mm -hmm. as I lost hair, as hair's growing in, he doesn't know that it's like you know, I have a shaved head that many women don't have shaved heads. He didn't, he didn't know any of that. So watching through his naive eyes really helps me to check my behavior. Yeah. And I just think so much, so many people can relate that we don't feel good about ourselves. So we don't get in pictures with our kids or we don't feel good about ourselves. So we don't get in a bathing suit and have those experiences in the pool. Right. Right. Like how many times has it been that your kids want you to go outside and in your head, it's like, I have to put on a bathing suit. I don't necessarily want to do that. Like, why don't you just go outside with so-and-so? And we don't mm -hmm. go out there and experience those experiences. And that's what's sad is that I want us all to feel better about ourselves, even if it's just in the beginning for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't even wear shorts until... I probably the last few years. I mean, I didn't while I was pregnant because I had crazy varicose veins and had to wear compression socks. So I was like, well, that'll look silly. <laughs> but I didn't wear 
cut off shorts until I was probably 25, 26, which is so backwards, right? Because we should be enjoying bikinis and cut off shorts while we're young. And and I wasn't. I was like, no, I don't like my legs. I was just not, not okay with it. Yeah. And, I didn't feel comfortable. And that is like, it's those comments that fuel me to say, we can do this better because we need to celebrate our bodies. Our bodies are actually amazing. Let's pause for a second to talk about Babbel, which I'm so excited about. We're going to Italy in September and Babbel's helping us prep to be conversational and maybe even fluent in Italian again. I lived in Italy with a family for part of college and Olivia finds it fascinating and wants to learn also. Now before bed, instead of reading books lately, we're doing Italian lessons together on Babbel. Babbel's making it possible for us to be well-versed before Italy and also has given us such a fun activity to do together as a family. We're so excited to have them supporting our podcast because we just naturally love them. It's so clear why they've got the number one selling language learning app because they make the whole process of learning a new language addictively fun and easy. With bite-sized lessons, and you know how much we love simple, easy to understand knowledge, I've been able to relearn Italian in a practical way. Now as a parent, I see how valuable speaking in other languages for brain development and dream of all three of my kids being at least bilingual. And truth be told, Lucas at Ola the other day, and I got a small glimpse of how adorable it could be if he spoke a second language. And also, Liv's Italian accent sounds so perfect already. They are such sponges, so I want to be able to participate in helping them learn another language while it's so simple for them to learn. Babbel's 15-minute lessons allow even the busiest moms and adults to quickly pick up a new language on the go. You can choose between 14 different languages and they have speech recognition technology, which helps you improve your pronunciation and accent, which is so cool because I used to never know if I was pronouncing the words correctly, no matter how phonetically I spelled it out. You need to try Babbel. It's been such a fun way for me to use my brain in a productive way and also connect with Liv. And it just gets me so excited to travel again. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code FULL. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code FULL, F-U-L-L, for an extra three months. So let's get back to our conversation. There's this moment that happened when I had to just fully check myself is, you know, I, I get really swollen from everything that I've gone through. And so, you know, there was this moment where I was like, I'm so swollen. I don't blah, 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 blah. And then I started to think, are you kidding, Jess? Like your body just got through this. Like it just went through a hundred marathons and it is carrying you through this. Like you need to embrace it. But I think that when we actually consciously step back to do that, to say like, wow, like this is, our bodies are amazing. They do amazing things. And honestly, at the very least, if you have such negative self-talk, my body allows me to go change 14 dirty diapers a day. Like it allows me to get up and be able to pick up my kids and feed them. Like there are, no matter what, we can look at it and say, wow, there are things that my body's doing that's amazing. Oh yeah. Last year was such a reminder to us about that. And it really made us think about, wow, I'm thankful I can get out of bed. I'm thankful I can walk. Like Tyler couldn't walk last year Mm -hmm. for part of it after his injury. And And I couldn't even really walk either with my varicose veins. They were so painful. And so just to kind of think about all the things daily that were like, wow, I'm so thankful I get to do this. But like you said, it has to be a conscious thing because I mean, it's so natural, I think, for our heads to go down that rabbit hole 
of, oh, I feel bloated or I feel this, I feel swollen when we need to be thinking about, okay, what is my body doing right now? I'm breathing. Mm -hmm. How awesome is that? (laughs) It's completely. And then on the flip end of the spectrum, it's like you can go through something of varicose veins or anything that's so painful. And then for those couple weeks thereafter, you're so thankful for it. And then it's like how fast it wears off, right? Like in a month from now, it's almost like I'm back to where I was and I have to remind myself, <laughs> I know. right? Like it, it, it definitely wears off, which just tells me that diet culture is so pervasive. It has so much more damage than we know. And if I could tell you how many moms come to me, either that they overeat or they've restrict or they've had that in the past and they say, okay, I'm feeding my baby solids now or I'm starting to feed my kid and I'm so scared. I don't want them to do the same patterns that I have. So let's talk. Let's talk about how we can kind of break the cycle. Yes. Yeah. What are some tips around just increasing our awareness and decreasing the negative comments that we let out of our mouths? Yeah. So I think going back to what we talked about in the beginning, the simplest thing is start to notice what you're complimenting others on. I will venture out that majority of our listeners are probably (laughs) externally praising our kids and our friends, right? And so... Just starting to recognize that I think is a great place to start to just say, okay, can I just start to switch the script where I can find something internal that I can compliment my kid on or one of my friends? I mean, I was away for the weekend and received and gave external compliments and praises and they do feel so good. And I think that they really lift my spirits or boost my confidence if I'm having a weird day. And I do agree that we need those. But I just feel like this is such a good reminder for me to just balance out those comments and compliments and make an effort to dig deeper with compliments that really come from the heart. But I think it just goes back to your 80-20 rule that you always talk about, Jess, and and just balance it out. And what are some things that we can avoid saying in front of our kids? Because I distinctly have memories of of my dad saying things, obviously very unintentionally, and I don't blame him whatsoever. It was the culture that they grew up in and that they were living in. But I recall a lot of times my dad making those comments about needing to lose a few pounds or when he ordered off a dessert menu, he'd say, no, I should really quit or no, I shouldn't eat that. Like, And and so that stuck with me and I didn't realize the implications those little tiny sayings would have on me and, and how I viewed food. The things that we want to avoid, you know, diet language, guilt around food, shame around food, putting food on a pedestal. Those are the types of things to just start recognizing, to start checking your language around because it's It's these little comments that add up. It's these little comments that we hear over and over and over that then make this pattern happen. And so I think it's actually starting in a really simple place. Yeah. And also, what are some things that we can avoid saying in front of our kids? Yeah. So this is... Kind of the the things that we previously talked about, but just when you're feeling uncomfortable with your body, just don't make comments about your body in front of them. So if you're feeling larger, if you're feeling um, uncomfortable about your body image, or if you're just like I, I'm feeling, you know, externally on the outside, like I'm feeling great. I am. I just went on a diet and lost twenty pounds. Either one of those, if we're feeling bad about ourselves, or if we are in a diet culture cycle where we're we just lost weight and we're feeling really good, don't reference it at all. So, like things like, "Ugh, I feel fat in this dress," or "I don't want to put on this bathing suit," or 
do you see mommy has like, mommy has 20 pounds to go or she needs to lose her baby weight. It's things like that. Even if they sound positive, like I'm so happy I fit in my skinny jeans. That's diet culture, right? It's the flip of what we normally think. So those are the main things that we want to make sure we don't talk about in front of our kids. That makes so much sense. And this morning I was, Tyler was working out with his guys in the garage and Luca was with me and their trainer was like, Haley, you look so good. And instead of just saying, thank you, I said, oh my gosh, thank you. Oh, I just have to quit drinking. I just feel like I, I see it all over my body. Like I had to like justify, like make an excuse. Or, and I'm like, well, thank God that was Luca. Now thinking back on it, thank God that was Luca right there because he's not as aware mm-hmm. and he's not old enough to kind of know what we were talking about. But I feel like if Liv was there, that would have set the worst example of just own it. Say, thank you. I feel good. Mm -hmm. And exactly. (laughs) But it's really hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's It's so so much hard. hard. I think something that needs to be said, because so much of this is, is focusing on how not to pass it down to our kids. But there's so many things that we can do because we all suffer. And a lot of this, we suffer in silence or we suffer in a culture that allows us to suffer, right? No one would ever have thought when you made that comment of like, oh, I just don't feel whatever it may be, that that's consuming. That's negative self-talk that that feels bad, right? That is, that's what's on your consciousness. So any listeners out there that are struggling, there is a book that you must read. It's called Intuitive Eating. Evelyn Triboli and this other dietitian, Elise, they're both fellow dietitians. I look up to them so much. And they wrote a book that honestly changes more women's lives and men's lives than I've ever experienced. So get an intuitive eating book and just know that you can do this differently. If you are in a pattern that food and exercise and external appearance is just taking over your life, know that we can break this pattern and there's things that you can do. And intuitive eating has a very simple approach to help you recognize that. But something little that sounds kind of woo-woo, but really works, is that every day when you wake up, when you look in the mirror, for any time you make a negative comment, give yourself two positive comments. Mm, okay. Will do. I'll help you with it. I'll start, so- I'm going to start giving you positive compliments. We're going to keep each other accountable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Something else I was just thinking about is, you know, for so many years when I was younger, I would think about how I had to work out so I can lose weight and I've got to go to this class and that class and just so I can lose that five pounds or 10 pounds. And, you know, now I think of it so much differently. I just want to work out so that I can feel good. But it's taken again so long to get there. And I just don't want my kids to feel like, okay, I have to work out to lose weight ever. I want them to associate working out with, I want to feel good. I want to feel good mentally and physically, and I want to feel strong and have a healthy heart. And so what are things that we could say around that to help kind of um, distinguish the two and make sure they know that, you know, the point of this is to to stay healthy. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. That is, that's such a good point. So I really want to give parents some tangible stuff now of what they can do. So let's start with exercise. The first thing is instead of calling it exercise, it sounds silly, but just you're moving your body because the real key to health for our mental well-being and our physical well-being is just to move a lot more. It doesn't need to be that Mm -hmm. you do a workout class for 30 minutes and then you don't move your body the rest of the day. So 
I love talking about if you're going to exercise, you're going to move your body, just change that language. And two, not focusing like I need to exercise to do all those things that you that you said before that you don't that you don't look at exercise anymore. Like you're right. not exercising going to lose weight. Like, well, Liv, like my mommy is so proud. Look how strong her body is. Look at what I was able to do. Things like that. Like you're going on a swing set. Just point out the moments of when they are moving their body and how strong they are and the things that they can do. So kind of like with anything in this area, the less pressure we put on it or the less we call it out and we just make it a normal routine of everyday life, the better that they do. And that's how you set up that relationship. Because I wish that I grew up in in a culture and just where we talked about movement, like we went on walks or we just went outside to get some fresh air or we just did different things like that so that we just get used to moving our body all the time. Mm-hmm. And, well, and we grew up with, sorry to interject, but you know, I think a lot of us grew up with parents that were in such a diet fad time in, in their life. I feel like when I was little, there was just always a a diet. It was like the Atkins diet, Weight Watchers, and Weight Watchers is still around, but there were like diet after diet after diet. And I think that I saw all my parents and all my parents' friends just cycling through these diets. And I'm not blaming them whatsoever because that was just, that's what it was. And that was all they were taught. And so now I'm glad that there is awareness around it and we don't have to diet. Mm-hmm. We can just live in moderation and have movement in our life. I'm going to shift my word to movement. There's all this really compelling research, which I love. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but it's called health at every size. And what all this research looks at is that for so long, we predicted someone's health based on weight. And what we know from all of the research is that weight itself does not dictate your long-term health. It's actually your behaviors. And so what health at every size looks at and where the research is, and there's now medical providers that are certified in this, is that instead of going to your doctor's office and feeling shame of where you're at, what what it really is is saying, let's look at the behaviors of your everyday life so we can see where your health is, what are behaviors that we can improve for your health, right? Like if we're eating really processed foods, let's start to have more fruits and vegetables in your diet and not looking at weight as the end point, but looking at our behaviors. And so we grew up in a world that was very different than that. And I cannot tell you how many people feel so scared to go to their doctors. They don't want to be weighed, especially pregnant women. I always say never when you go to a doctor, if you're being weighed, blindly weigh go backwards. Don't look at that number. That number doesn't matter. I I can't even tell you. I don't even know how much I weigh because I have not looked at a scale in probably over 10 years. And so just knowing we are so much more than what that scale number says and that we can focus more on our behaviors of life as opposed to some endpoint that doesn't mean anything for our overall health. Yes. I love that. I'm not a scale fan. Yeah. Times that I do get on it, I just get like depressed. Like, wait, this is not right. So it's, it's so many, I mean, I can't tell you how many people feel that it's, it goes one of two ways. Either the number that comes back to you is that something that for what you feel really proud of, and then that just promotes more disordered eating, or it's not where you wanted Mm -hmm. to. So then you just throw everything out and say, anything I'm doing isn't working. But the truth is, if you're changing your behaviors in life, you're getting, you are a healthier version of you mentally and physically. So what are some tips for creating a healthy relationship between your kids and food? 
So this is, it's actually really simple. And so there's a couple points. Number one, stay neutral and don't pressure your kids. We talk about this all the time, right? In our feeding your baby solids class and how to prevent picky eaters, picky eating, disordered eating, intuitive eating, all go hand in hand, right? If we are doing steps to raise a non-picky eater, we're doing steps to raise an intuitive eater. And what an intuitive eater means is that they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're full, and they actually listen to their body. So the number one thing we can do is stay neutral. So pressure and restriction always backfires, no matter how positive or well-intended it is. I know all those comments that people are making with Bryce on FaceTime are well-intended, but it's still pressure. And so that backfires. So we want our kids to grow up eating healthy and we want them to have you know, a healthy relationship with food. But when we're pressuring them, what we're doing is actually quite the opposite. We Kids are born as intuitive eaters. And so it's our job to help keep fostering that so they don't lose it. So Number one, I would say for sure, stay neutral, which means we're not putting different foods on pedestals. We're not promote, asking them to eat more food or eat less food. We're letting them check in with themselves and listening to their own bodies. I think it's truly one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids is changing their relationship with food so that they can actually eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full and enjoy eating. Mm-hmm. So number one, stay neutral. Don't praise, don't punish keep it neutral. You put the food there. And if the biggest tip is when you're at meals, talk about anything but the meal. (laughs) Talk about their day, connect with your kid. Number two would be following the division of responsibility, which we talk about a lot, but in the simplest form, it just means as a parent or caregiver, you're in charge of what the menu is, when they eat and where they eat. And your kid forever is in charge of if and whether they eat. So how much? So put the food down and say, you can have as much or as little as you want. And leave it. Um, and it works. It works. It really, <laughs> it, it will now say that she's like, oh, I can, I can have as much or as little as I want. I'm like, yep, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's, it's the days that she's like, I don't like that. I'm like, all right, well, what do we say instead? And she's like, I don't care for this today. I'm like, all right, well, you can have as much or as little as you want. And then she just eats the other stuff, and then she actually eventually eats the other thing. Usually, exactly. And and there's going to be sometimes your kids like you put out broccoli and rice and chicken, and your kid eats the rice first and ends up not even touching their broccoli when you really wanted them to eat their broccoli. I get that. I totally get that pressure that you feel as a parent because you want them to eat their broccoli. But if you start to say, eat your broccoli, they're not going to eat their broccoli. So staying neutral allows them to listen to their bodies and they'll eventually start eating it. So I love that lips. I love that lips doing that. And it's so cute when they say it, you know, what's on the menu. You can have as much or as little as you want. When they say it, it's adorable. So cute. It is hard though, when they're not eating something that you spent so long making and you're like, no, like, do you know how much effort I put into this? <laughs> totally. I'd say to parents, don't make anything that you can't save or put in the refrigerator because then it can take away the pressure of like, I just spent so long taking this. This can just become another meal another time. And the thing to remember is if your kid doesn't eat it at one meal or even at 10 meals or 20 meals, the way to break this is to increase exposure and decrease pressure always. So just keep serving it and don't put any pressure on them. Oh, I thought of actually another big one. Food a lot of times is used as reward or punishment. We want to have all of our rewards or punishments be non-food related. So 
in the obvious form is like, you know, if you keep doing that, you can't have dessert tonight. That's, that's something we want to avoid, right? We don't want to put different foods on, on a pedestal. But the other thing that we can do or that we do that we don't even realize is that desserts are talked so much as treats. So it's like, do you want to go with mommy or daddy to the ice? Let's go get ice cream. Like it was your first day of school. I'm so proud of you. Let's go get a treat. Like, let's go do this and celebrate it. And you can do the same thing. And it's like, oh, you had your first day of school. The plan is we're going to go get ice cream now and then we're going to go home. It's not putting that pressure that we feel of we're going to get a treat and let's celebrate it. In and of itself, time with you is is the treat. Right. Why do we do that? We're like, oh, I'm going to take you to get a treat. <laughs> like, why do we do that? Because we were raised with such diet culture all around and, and we're excited to celebrate with our kids, which we should be. We should be really excited to celebrate with them. We just want to remember that food is neutral and that we want them to have that healthy relationship with food. I can't tell you, not only do we want to do this for your, like your kid's future self, but as a parent, when you have an intuitive non-picky eater, it makes life so much easier day to day. So these things might feel really forced in the beginning, but they pay off in dividends. I mean, it's amazing the the change mealtimes have. Mm -hmm. And on that note, (laughs) I mean, that was so good, Jess. You always teach me so much or remind me things that I'm like, oh yeah, I need to practice that again. You're, I'm, I'm so glad I learned so much from you and I love just you opening up about your story. It's going to help so many of our listeners and so many women all around because we all experience it to some degree. And I want, I want everyone to know they're not alone. They can do it differently from their kids. And I guess the take home point of all is just wear that swimsuit, get in the pictures with your kids, start to have some positive self-talk. I think it'll be more freeing for you as well as it'll be for your kids. Yes. And love your body. Love your body. Bodies don't get enough credit. They don't. They don't at all. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.